Hey everyone, it's Pastor Andrew. Welcome to Tilgham Baptist Church Podcast. And I'm really glad that you're here with us today for a special episode. Uh, in today's episode of her sermon this week, I co-preached with Pastor Jorge Vargas, who is the pastor of Lighthouse Baptist Church, who is also meeting at Tilcom Baptist Church, and we're so happy to partner with them and their congregation. And uh, so, yeah, I'm really excited for you to hear this message of humility and unity from Philippians 2. And uh, really just, I was so blessed in the preparation of this sermon. Of course, it's been over the last few weeks that we've been trying to take this off and everything uh, with our joint um, worship service, and that didn't happen exactly the way that we wanted it to either. So, Lord willing, we are going to have another try at it on Easter Sunday. So if you are around the Lakewood area and you want to come join us all for a great time of worship and celebration and food afterwards, then you are more than welcome to come. So today we're in Philippians 2 and I took the first four verses and Pastor Vargas took the the verses 5 through 11 and this is a really great um, time of being in God's Word and sharing together. One thing I wanted to make note of is that uh, I am sharing a little bit about cultural humility in one of the one of the sections of this sermon, uh, and and I realized that I shared an illustration but forgot to give credit for it. Um, the credit about um, right-handed learners is uh for that story is to pastor miles mcpherson down in san diego and i heard uh just the illustration used earlier this week and i was really kind of impressed by the flexibility of it to be able to include it in my my um, sermon as an illustration so i want to say thank you to him i know he probably won't ever hear that but i also want to make sure that i don't forget to give credit um for illustrations when they're not ones that I haven't made up myself. So anyway, I hope that you all really enjoy this week's uh, sermon and that if you have any questions or anything like that, that you would email us at tilcombaptist at gmail.com and uh, come check us out in person at 11.15 on Sundays and uh, would love to see your smiling face and hear from you if you have any prayer or uh, prayer requests or anything like that. Hope that you have a great day and God. Welcome to Tilton Baptist Church. If you're just joining us, uh, Pastor Jorge Vargas and I, we're going to be preaching together. And uh, Pastor Jorge, would you do the honors and uh, share the scripture for today, Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. Yes, sir. Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. And the word reads this way. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, a fellowship of the spirit, if any balls of mercy, fulfill ye, ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, 
having the same love, being in one accord of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also had highly exalted him and gave him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and things of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. All right. So I'm going to be taking the first four verses of this passage, and then Pastor Vargas will take the last seven. But, um, you know, in, in preparing for this time together, um, I've been really thinking about the idea of unity and what what it means to have unity with one another and how it's directly related to our fellowship with Christ and, and we're following his example. Um, so I'm really excited to share this um, short passage with you um, from my side of things and hear Pastor Vargas's sermon. So here's what, here's what the Lord kind of led me to be thinking about is, so the 1936 Olympic Games were held in Berlin, Germany, and this was the same time that the Nazis were ruling over Germany, and they intended to use the Olympic Games to reinforce the idea of German superiority over the whole world. However, this idea was defeated again and again. The first and probably most popular example were the four gold medals that American runner Jesse Owens, a black man, won. But a lesser-known story that has become more well-documented is that of the American rowing team. It's composed of the rowing team from our very own University of Washington. Go Huskies. Sorry for your fever. Um, but uh, author Daniel James Brown, uh, he wrote this book, uh, Boys in the Boat, in 2013. And these nine young men, they came from various backgrounds. They were sons of farmers, fishermen, loggers. You know, they were kind of built, right? And you have to have endurance to be on a rowing team and some muscle and some strength, but they managed to bring this team together and go to the 1936 Olympics under the hawkish eyes of Hitler, emerging victorious over rival crews from Germany and Italy. And here's one thing that Brown notes. He says that one of the fundamental challenges in rowing is that when any one member of the crew goes into a slump, the entire crew goes with him. And if they don't stay focused, they can be lifted out of the boat into the water. So standing behind the coaches of this team is George Pocock, an English boat builder who learned the art of building wooden shells for racing from his father. He is the quiet master throughout on the sidelines, ever inventive 
full of wise words, and his comments, in fact, serve as the rather corny epigraphs of the chapters that are in the book. But Pocock, one of the examples that, that I read was, good thoughts have much to do with good wrong. It isn't enough for the muscles of a crew to work in unison. Their hearts and minds must also work as one. Like a rowing team, the church, the body of Christ, doesn't just need like this ritual to, to appear united. We actually need to be reminded that unity is not uniformity. Unity is acting in unison because we're connecting to and following Christ and his example. As the Apostle Paul reminds us in these verses in Philippians 2, you know, like, we're going to go through, I'm going to go through these first four, and, and I'm really excited for the beautiful poem that, that comes after, um, that just describes the authority and power of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then I'll be leading us in communion. So, first off, verses, we think about what our witness should look like, and verses 1 through 2 have to say this. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. And, and God gives us this gift of unity um, to us as believers, but he also wants us to work it out in becoming how we become like-minded, right? So one of the gifts of the four things that Paul mentions is encouragement of being united with Christ. And of course, we're united through the salvation that we have through faith in Christ, and we belong to this body, to one another, to the Lord. And, and God gives us comfort of his love through the knowledge and assurance that Jesus Christ came to die for each and every one of you, and he rose again. See, his love was demonstrated in Christ's death for the, forgiveness of, for the forgiveness of sins and for eternal life. And then thirdly, he says that we share the Spirit, share the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowers us for care towards one another. You see, I think without God being the one that is motivating me and empowering me, I'd be pretty, it'd be pretty easy for me to be a pretty selfish person. And, uh, and it's something that I struggle with. And so I'm glad that the Holy Spirit is the one who compels me to live out of Christ's love and, and the forgiveness that God has given me. Because without it, you know, I would be a wreck. We all would be. And the Holy Spirit indwells each one of us and, and he seals us with, for salvation and redemption. And he gives us this ability to uh, come together and see that we have Jesus in common. And then the last thing that I think really all these other things point towards you is tenderness and compassion. Because you can have, you can be a tender and compassionate, compassionate person and not be, you know, a Christian, but to what end? Like, just to be a nice person? I mean, you know, like, I think that the, the end that we get that's resulted in our life in Christ is that we get to go to heaven, right? We get to build up this abundant life with Jesus so that when we enter heaven, we get to, 
You get to receive a crown of life, and then we get to lay it down at Jesus' feet, and we get to worship him. See, we, we become like-minded, um, you know, by having the same love and being one, with one spirit in mind. And, you know, he's, Paul says, you know, like, that this love, you know, I just touched on it, this love is really from God. And, um, and he tells the Philippians, you know, to make my joy complete. How joyful, if Paul's really joyful, if all these things would happen, how joyful do you think God would be? I mean, God's the one inspiring him to write this. And so if God is, through Paul, is saying, hey, there's joy when we come together in unity and in one spirit and mind, um, you know, then that's, that is something that we should consider as we have conversations, as we work together, and um, be reminded that, that God put us together for a reason. So that moves us to verses 3 and 4, where Paul says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vacancy, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, humility in our outlook and practice of relationship with others is important. Because, guess what? You see all those people in this room? See all the people out there that identify as Jesus followers, as Christians? We're going to be in heaven with them one day. And so we should probably start trying to, you know, get along and love each other and do well and look like the unity that Christ called for, um, you know, to be able to be a witness to the world. And so that starts with, you know, no selfish ambition or conceit, because selfish ambition and vain conceit are the enemies of unity and harmony. And the reality is, is that none of this can be accomplished without God's help. I need God every day to keep me from myself. And not because, you know, I just want to, I'm just like, you know, trying to mess up or trying to be evil or sinful, but because that's my nature, right? That's what we're born with. We're born with a sinful nature. So we need God's help to not live out selfish ambition or conceit. And the second thing that I wanted to address, um, you know, is the need for cultural humility and understanding. Because we need to strive to learn about one another. And of course, as Lighthouse Baptist Church uh, starts up their services again at the end of this month, um, and we get together, Lord willing, for our Easter service together, um, you know, we can get the opportunity to learn each other's names, to get to know each other's stories, and to be able to, uh, you know, have the ability to um, share and to and to and to really, um, you know, see how God has has gifted each of us. But the thing is that we need to recognize that when we see something different, that it's not does not mean it's wrong. Okay, so let me give you an example. Um, so. About approximately about 80% of kids in school are right-handed writers, right? And they make desks, or at least they used to, that really, you know, set up right-handed people for success. Okay, any lefties out there? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. So you know what those right-handed people experience? They experience 
right privilege, right? They were set up for success by the way the desks in the room were done. And now, does that mean that when somebody comes in to, um, to do left-handed writing, that they do it the wrong way? No. It just means that that is how they were designed. That is what they're given. And we just see what they do differently because we're righties. I mean, we're the right side, right? So, um, but we just need to remember that what I'm not talking about here is, of course, if we're talking about somebody doing something that's unscriptural or that is uh, that is going against law or something like that. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that cultural differences exist, even in how we express our worship and maybe you know how we we read scripture with each other. And we just be reminded of that. Thirdly, you know, we, we need to communicate with honesty and humility when things do bother us, when things are concerning or, or discouraging. Because one of the things that I've loved about getting to know my brother here, Pastor Vargas, is that we've been able to communicate so well and be able to have such a clear and good relationship um, to begin on this uh, partnership with that, you know, that's one of the things that we constantly remind each other, like, hey, if there's something that you need or something that I've done that we need to work on, like, please, let's do that. And, and it's great to have somebody else who's also humble who won't throw the hammer down on me and and will say in love, hey brother, this is what I am seeing and this is what I need your help in, you know, correcting. And, and that is the kind of brotherhood and sisterhood in Christ that we need. Lastly, you know, Paul says to look out for the interests of others, right? Not only your own interests, but also the interests of others. And you know why we need to do that? Because we genuinely love each other. Because when we love each other, people notice. You know, I was thinking this week, and I, and I wrote this on Facebook, I said, if people invested as much time into love as they do into hate, the world would be such a different place. And church, let us love one another and look out for the interests of one another. And and do that so that we can be united. And so that we don't bring dishonor to the name of Christ, right? If we see a brother or sister who's struggling, we need to come and have a conversation with them and lovingly say, hey, you know, we want to represent Christ well. Here's, here's the problem that I see. And likewise, I'm open to what you may have to share with me. But if, you know, that doesn't work, we can obviously talk about the biblical model for you know, dealing with sin in another time. But I think we need to be able to start with the motivation of love in our correction and in our conversation and how we um, look out for each other. So I'm going to uh, turn it over to Pastor Vargas, and we're going to get you on the big screen here, Pastor, uh, okay. so that we can see your wonderful smiling face and All stop right. my face, because they see enough of my face all the time. Well, thank you very much. Um, I hope everything's okay. I hope I'm not muted. Nope, you're good. I think, I think I'm fine. Well, thank you, Pastor Andrew, for those words. Um, they're right, right on it. And uh, honestly, you didn't leave me any, <laughs> any, any, any other things to speak about because this whole passage talks about uh, the unity, and and. As I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you, um, 
I, 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 keep I kept thinking the same thing, that humility, which is the result uh, of, of, of what is being taught here in this, this passages, wasn't cheap. It, it, it cost a big price. Um, and it brings to my mind the fact that uh, when, when we strive for unity, we must remind ourselves that there's a, there's, unity demands something. Um, and and for, for us to be able to, to reach that, that goal of have the true unity that, that God wants to see in us, in all of us, uh, we, we have to remind ourselves also that we all have to pay a price, even though our Lord is our example, uh, even though he, he, he set before us everything, everything for us to be able to reach that goal. So many times we might find ourselves trying to reach the goal without the willingness of, of, uh, of sacrificing something. And when I think of the promises of God's word, and uh, for instance, in, in, in Psalm 130, uh, 133, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. How wonderful the psalm, uh, the, the writer puts it. Behold how good. Unity is definitely something that, that not only it is accepted unto God, but it's, it's something that when we as human beings taste, get a taste of it, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be something that, that we would for, all, for, for forever try to always keep it because as, although unity is easy to achieve just by, by being guided by the word of God, it is also something very fragile that very easily can, can break off. And, and there's no doubt that uh, the wonderful things and, and the mighty things that this world has seen in the past, it had to do with, with Christians being, being one, with Christians being in one accord uh, I think of, of the book of Acts in chapter one, and, and, and the Bible tells us how they were, they were all together, and, and the Lord spoke to them and told them uh, to keep waiting, and the unity that, uh, that they had uh, within, within them um, brought uh, certainly uh, an event that, that has has hasn't been seen again in, in the history of our church of, of the church. When we think about uh, unity, um, and we all desire unity, I, I believe this with all my heart that that if you if you're a Christian, you you do not like those feelings of not being unified with a with with, with a group of people. I believe as Christians, we all want to have the unity, not so much for what, what, what can make us feel, but 
but also because we know that it pleases our God. It, it, it brings a smile to his face. And we, we, we all desire that. But we must remember, we must remember that we are not, we are not born with, with a, a, a spiritual uh, flesh, if I can put it that way. But we are born with a flesh that it's that is rebellious, that is that is opposite to everything that the Lord wants us to do. So we must remember that in order for us to to achieve that wonderful goal of being united, which I know, I know, uh, I, I know this, I, 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 that that's what we want, because not being united, it only, it only brings us down. And who, who wants to become a Christian to be a failure? Nobody. I, I, don't, I don't think so. Nobody wants to be a Christian to become failure because we were failure before we were, became Christians. So when we, when we become a Christian and now, uh, now heaven, we're heaven bound, now we are surrounded by the promises of our Lord. Now we have in front of us a field that we must reach, that we must bring to the wonderful knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, who wants to fail at that? Nobody does. Uh, I, I, I just, I, I, I have a hard time accepting that I signed up to be a Christian, if I can put it that way, and, and, and accept that for the rest of my life, I would be a, a, a person who would lose at every battle. No one would do that. So unity is the, is, is, is the goal. But unity demands things from us. And thank you, Pastor Andrew, for the list that you gave us. Uh, the many things that we have to, we have to be, uh, we have to accept humility it's the goal and I want to go back to Philippians 2 um, because you know what and you've seen it I'm sure every person in the world one day will humble themselves the Bible says and being found in the fashion of as, as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also had highly exalted him and gave him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth. So, uh, are, are we still here? Yeah, you're going to need to start restart your video. Just get yeah, there you go. Oh, there he is. I am sorry. Uh, um, all right. <laughs> As I was saying, um, the, we get the privilege as Christians to experience true humbleness, which is to bow our knees before our Lord. And 
by doing so, accept the things that he wants for us. And the truth of the matter is that one day, every knee shall bow. Humility, we, we either experience it and enjoy it here while we have this wonderful opportunity to, to, to let others see what, what the Lord has done in our hearts, or we will do it in, in heaven. It is, it is his desire. When he washed the apostles' feet, he said it very clear that, I, that he had set an example before them. It is not in our flesh to be humble, but it can be in our spirit. And being humble doesn't mean uh, we are stripped of, uh, of those things that are rightfully ours, but it's just that we choose to lay everything uh, at the feet of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we humble ourselves, we get to experience what he experienced when, when being God, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, a form of a servant. Let me be your servant. Give me an opportunity to serve you. Let all, all of us take upon that the thought. Here's an opportunity for me to be a servant. If he who is God did it, what is going to keep me from doing it? As we serve each other, let that be our goal, that we use our lives to be a servant of others. Let's, let's remind ourselves that uh, at the end of the day, the result will be such unity among us that will be unbreakable because a servant does not seek anything other than do what he or she is capable of doing without expecting a reward, without expecting a payment, just the fact that he or she chooses to do something for that person, for that church. And as we do that, it is exciting just to think what the things, the things that the Lord can do through us. Church, let me say this with all my heart. Let's work on that. Let's serve each other. Let's find the joy that comes from true humility. And that is when we choose to be servants of others. May the Lord bless us today. May his word be powerful in our hearts. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, we're gonna get back onto our shared screen here. Okay. <laughs> this is fun and different. Amen. <laughs> but we're gonna participate now in communion. And um, one thing that I think, you know, we try to make really clear every time we take communion is that, you know, communion is for those who have received Jesus Christ into their life as their Lord and Savior, who have given, uh, given an affirmation of faith to him to come into their life and change them and to, and to repent from their sins. So I would ask that if you participate today, that, that you're confirming to one another that you've done that already. And if you, yes, haven't, if you haven't done that, that you would uh, you know, humble your heart and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yeah. And how you do that is simply by saying, you know, admitting that you're a sinner, that you have, um, you have gone against God and, and you deserve judgment, but that you believe that Jesus who lived, he died for your sins, and God rose him, raised him from the dead. And to ask for the forgiveness of your sins. And in that, God will come into your life. He'll bring you into the righteousness of Christ and um, be able to uh, be able to enter this body of believers uh, and be able to have hope and assurance of, of a home in heaven when you leave this earth. So I want to say that because I think that, number one, you can't overstate the importance of honoring the cup and the bread. Because even Paul, he says in 1 Corinthians 11 that those who dishonor it will, <laughs> will excuse me, get jud have judgment upon them. And we wouldn't want that for anybody here. Uh, but we do want you to know that Jesus loves you and that he wants you to come and follow him. So I'll read to you from 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26. This is what the Apostle Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, the ushers are going to come up and they're going to distribute the bread first, and then we're going to distribute the juice. And I would ask that you would hold on to it uh, and, and until everybody has got their bread and their juice. And then I'll say a prayer, and then we'll take it. And then we'll, uh, we will be pretty much dismissed from the service. If you'd like to come up after to say hello to Pastor Vargas, you're um, totally welcome to. But we're going to do bread first, and then the juice, and then I'll say a prayer. Mm -hmm. 